everybody. Welcome to the Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show. I am Jeff Rubin, joined this week by John Gabris. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me back. That is Jeff. true. So I kind of made a rule for myself that I didn't want to do any sequel episodes for the first year of the podcast. I've made two exceptions. Uh, one is Toby from Degrassi. I did two Degrassi episodes because... That one, the opportunity just presented itself. A show that has your name in the title twice needs two Degrassi episodes at least a year. And uh, the other exception would be this. We talked about, I think it was the second or third episode where we talked about season one of Game of Thrones. Right. And we are now back to talk about season two. Yes, I am back. Now, I am no Game of Thrones expert. I just happen to have been like your only friend that read the books well, at I, the time. I do think... Having read the books before the TV show came out is a badge of honor that you should wear. Like, okay, yeah. if someone was like, hey, you should read these thousand page fantasy tomes, it basically took a show as good as Game of Thrones to make me read those books. That's how sh- good a show would have to be to make me read these books. But it's that good. And I think last time I had just started reading Clash of Kings, the second book that this season was based on. I have now read, my goal was to get through all five of them before this podcast. I did not meet that goal. I'm like a third of the way through Dance of Dragons, the fifth book. All right, well, let's stop down and read the last 60%. <laughs> it was a quick one. When I, I thought I was going to do it, but when I opened up Dance of Dragons, it was even longer it's than Feast of Crows. long, dude. So let's hammer out a spoiler policy for this episode, for this podcast we are yes. about to record. I think... Anything from season two, anything from book two goes. But even though we've both read beyond book two, we are going to confine our discussion to season one and two of the show and book one and two of the show. I will also add a warning that I read the books a long time ago and okay. they all sort of blended together. So if I blow I'll, something I'll, I'll try big, to keep you honest. Yes, keep me honest. Uh, so I will definitely keep Like You can listen with confidence, people. Like yes. I, I, By the time you are listening to this, I have listened to it again. I have researched it. So we're going to be good. <laughs> Uh, so anything that is in the book or the show is fair game, because I think it's really interesting to talk about, I'm hoping it's going to be really interesting to talk about the things that were in, that they added for the show and also the things they took away and try to figure out why, because, uh, they're mostly the same and they, they line up very nicely, but I think you can learn a lot about what their intentions are, what they're going for by looking at what they've added and what they've taken away. So we're going to talk about, uh, things that are in the book that aren't in the show. So I guess you could say if you watch the show and you are planning on reading the book, we're going to spoil that for you a little bit. But if bit. so, why the fuck are you listening to a podcast yeah. about the second season? I just season? want to be honest. I just want <laughs> yeah, to yeah, yeah, that's right. fair enough, fair enough. That is... The like, Jeff Rubin super fans out there, they're like, I don't care, ruin every movie for me. I just want to hear Rubin talk. That All right, so that's all the paperwork we have to do for this episode. Yeah. I mean, besides me filling out my I-9 because you pay me <laughs> 25 grand per episode. That beer here. you're drinking is pretty much the <laughs> entire payment. So let's get right into it, season two. What do you think? Let's yeah. get right into it after all that. Uh, we are four minutes in. Right. Four, and let's get right into it. And then the question is, so what'd you think? <laughs> <laughs> let's get to the hard hitting. Okay, what'd you think? <laughs> I love season two. I just uh, I just watched the finale last night, uh, and I'm processing it still. I think the penultimate, I love using that word, mm-hmm. episode of the season was absolutely well, amazing. Well, that's the big one that everyone's talking about, right. which okay. was, was Blackwater. Right. Well, that's like in any movie, it's not the last 10 minutes are the best. It's, you know, the last 30 to the last 10 that are the best. It's the climax of the movie, not just the resolution part. And that is also something that, God, I feel like we may be repeating ourselves from last year, but that is something that is uh, HBO shows do a lot on The Wire uh, everything big happened. All the major deaths happened in the second to last episode of the season, not the last episode. The Sopranos did that, and Game of Thrones did that last year too, yeah. where Ned got beheaded, not 
in the last 10 seconds of the show, but it was in the ninth of 10th episode. Right, and I think that's because they treat on HBO the last episode of their show like the f- episode zero of the next yeah, season. Yeah, it's like a preview to... Right, and I think that's because HBO is one of those uh, channels that has the confidence to be like, yeah, we'll bring you back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to bring you back. Where most other shows are like, they're in the off-season still not knowing if they're coming back, so they have to plan these last episodes that are huge cliffhangers that it's okay if they never get resolved. Right, right. Game of Thrones has the ability to say, hey, we're coming back. I also think I heard that season, uh, at book three is going to be two seasons. I've heard rumors that book three, without getting into book three, I will say book three is generally regarded as the best of the set so far. Yeah, it, I, I think, I think so, agree. too. I, I agree. So that's exciting. I've heard rumors, and book three is also the longest, and I've heard speculation that they might split it up into two scenes, so I don't think that's been confirmed. Yeah. Uh, the Blackwater episode, though, I remember looking before the uh, beginning of the season, I'm on the Wikipedia page for a list of Game of Thrones episode, as I am to do. <laughs> of course, before the season's <laughs> even aired. <laughs> so there's a list, you know, it's a list of episodes, and season two, it had all the dates for the episodes, but the only one that had a title was episode nine, and it said episode nine, Blackwater, and if you've read the books, you knew what was coming, you knew right. that was going to be the big climactic battle. Episode nine, Blackwater, written by George... There's no other information for any other episode. But written by by George R. R. Martin, directed by Neil Marshall. Do you know Neil Marshall? No. So Neil Marshall... Wait, he does Centaurion, right? Yeah. I feel like that's the Neil Marshall movie you picked up on. He also did Descent, right? Oh, yeah. Holy shit. I swear to God, guys, no smartphone. (laughs) I'm so proud of myself right there. Yeah. yeah, I love Neil Marshall. Pat and I both have, like, kind of this... uh, I don't know. I think we like underrated directors, as, you know, nerds maybe do. And uh, so Neil Marshall did The Descent is probably his most popular movie. Yeah, his most, uh, and he also did Dog Soldiers was his first movie. It's about werewolves in the army. Oh right, right, right. Um, Centurion, which went straight to video, but it's pretty good. I I like that. And um, Doomsday is his movie that really turned me on. To Neil Marshall, I love Doomsday. I've not seen it. It's like someone threw every. John Carpenter movie in a blender and just mixed them all up. Oh, that's my, like, you just named my favorite director. I, I'm a huge Carpenter fan. That John sounds... Carpenter is like my favorite subgenre of film. Yeah, Carpenter's it's my, genre. yeah, it's also my favorite uh, genre of music. <laughs> so, so, he, um, so, John, uh, so Neil Marshall directed this, and th- in this episode, Blackwater, had a lot of uh, what you see in Neil Marshall movies, which is kind of like B movie deaths. Yeah, exactly. I he loved does, it. He does B movie deaths, and he does B movies basically really well. I love yeah. B movies, and these are gr- his whole. And he does, it's like a lot of period pieces to his stuff. Uh, well, that is. I think only Centurion, which was like a Roman thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Descent was present day, Doomsday's in the future, and Dog Soldier's in the present. So oh, I think okay. only, only that one. But uh, it, you could really see his fingerprints all over it, also working within a budget. And, and But when I saw that at the beginning of the year, I could tell that they were planning for this episode, you know? This right, was they the one clearly they were, were already working on it yeah. or something like that, because they had to have been. That's it, huge. They knew from the beginning that they had to orient the entire season around this one episode, which was fucking crazy. I was so ready to be let down by what the mage fire looked like, mm-hmm. and holy shit, I was not. I know, that shot of the ship exploding into green flame and, it was like... so awesome. <laughs> I mean, and... I feel like we're just going to list awesome deaths for the next few minutes, but yeah. uh, the rock coming down on the guy's head. And yeah, and I love... Uh, that is one of my favorite deaths in any movie is the guy who's like, blah, 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 you know, like, all right, guys, we got a storm now, clunk. I love the, like, arbitrary cutoff death when someone's, like, in the middle of talking or just glance over at him and then they get smashed immediately. Also, uh, Tyrion got a lot of huge moments in that episode. Like, Well, you know... Well, 
before we go any further, let's overgeneralize the episode. It's one of the few episodes that only follows one storyline. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I think it kind of benefited from it. Exactly. I wonder if the show would be better if uh, they did that more often, kind of like, um, well, I read a review of it today from uh, Alan Seppenwall who made this point that they should, like, lost. Like, not every character had to be in every episode of Lost. And there was, right. like, some general stuff, but every episode, especially in the beginning when they were using that flashback structure, focused on a specific person. And maybe Game of Thrones could, uh, that might benefit them because it really helped that episode. I mean, that's how the book is written. So you would yeah, think that's, that that's how they would go. But then again, then you find yourself in a Sansa episode and you're miserable. <laughs> that's a good point. Though Sansa and Cersei in uh, this episode in Blackwater that we're talking about now, is that whole scene is amazing. Oh, yeah. that's the st- All the stuff in the Red Keep was great. Yeah. And- that was, oh my God, that episode was so, there was just uh, so much happening everywhere. Tyrion got to give that speech, though, where it's like such a, like an Oscar montage. I know it's not a movie, but like yeah. this kind of scene they would put in one of those Oscar montages where he's like, don't fight for your brothers. Don't fight for your land. Fight, you know, and like, yeah, so such an awesome thing. Now, that wasn't in the, was that in the book? I don't think so. And if it was, I don't certainly don't think it ended with him saying, those, are, there, is, those are brave men out there. Let's go kill them. Or yeah, which is, the, the show is funnier than the book. Right. Yeah, Tyrion is wildly more charming in the movie than, I mean, in the show than he is in the book. Yeah, it feels like, well, that's the thing about this episode is, it's about as good as a B movie. You know, obviously it's not the Avengers or anything, but I'm yeah. just talking like effects wise. It's, yeah. it's it's like up there with a B movie. But you have 19 hours of backstory on every character. Right. And, uh, if you're, and amazing actors in every single Yeah, role. and it's all yeah. well written. Yeah. So if you see, uh, say, Dog Soldiers, which I think is a very good movie about werewolves in the army, <laughs> Uh, you know, and by the end of it, you only have you you've only known these people for an hour. But here, this is action movie. The Avengers a little bit benefited from this too, where you yeah. have all this backstory, and it it makes it so much more meaningful when they come together and finally do. Yeah, that, oh man, that the scene where for, oh, also I'm so I'm so overwhelmed right now. I keep just yeah, restarting yeah. thoughts. But my favorite character uh, in the the show this season is Bron, and Bron got a great. Great, like, focus, great storyline. Yeah, that's because they stayed just on King's Landing for so long. That was uh, that was an additional bronze scene that definitely wasn't in the book. Usually you can tell if a scene was not in the book because the book has, uh, the way the book is formatted, I think you explained this to me last year, and it's great that I get to, <laughs> I, I am now getting to explain it, is uh, there's POV characters. Basically every chapter is from a different character's POV. Yeah. But you don't get every single character's POV. Like there's right. no, no Bronn chapter. Right. So anything you learn about Bronn, you generally see through Tyrion's eyes. Yeah. Or maybe Cersei or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so the often the characters, uh, you, you'll see scenes that flesh out the world of these characters. In the book, the POV characters weren't there. So you see the Hound and Bronn who uh, don't get to, you don't ever see the world through their eyes, but here in the TV show, you get a you get a nice little scene. There's that awesome moment between the two of them, too, where they realize how alike, yet how different they are. Like, mm-hmm. Bron is, Bron and the dog are pretty much the same type of person, both just doing what they need to do for their uh, boss. But Bron sort of comes at it through, like, charm and wit, and dog through, like, fear and hate. So it's, like, awesome to see those two uh, almost butt heads. And then to, like, but because of who they are, the swords and the badasses that they are, when they come around together to back each other up, well, for specifically Bronn to save uh, Dog's ass in the fight is awesome. Yeah. 
And I think last year you cited, I believe, God, I'm, I'm like, I probably should have listened if I was, you know, I good in, at this. I intended to listen to it on the way over, but I totally forgot. Yeah, so I think you said, uh, I believe last year that Bron was one of the characters who didn't really jump off the page for you, but the casting made him much more memorable. Oh, yeah, he was and, so cool. And I wonder if that is how these extra scenes are kind of allotted out, you know? Um, like, in last night's finale, there was an extra scene with Varys, who was not a point-of-view character, and there was yeah. an extra scene with... Um, who else? I don't know. We'll get to it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I wonder, the actor, oh, uh, Cal Drogo, the, the return of Cal Drogo. Right. I, I, you know, that's something else that wasn't in the book. And I think just the actor, you know, you want to see that actor again. Uh, yeah, I think that's one of those things, too, where it's sort of like, uh, uh, relegate this to like a, The Simpsons, where it's like, you create Duffman for one episode, and mm-hmm. then you realize how awesome Duffman is, and you're like, oh, let's put Duffman back in this episode. You know, let's rewrite Duff. Let's add Duffman. Let's add. So like this, it's like, holy shit, the guy who plays Varys is amazing. Yeah. So like, let's give him more scenes. Like, let's just get like, you know, like, oh, let's give him this opportunity, the actor. Let's give Bron this moment with the dog. Let's give uh, this character, you know, as you realize that, holy shit, we got something. Jason Momoa is like a legit celebrity, right? And they're like, and he's and he's good as Cal Drogo. They're like, fuck, we can get him back in season two somehow, you know? I think that uh, I never, and this sounds like a cliche, but I've never seen anything on TV like that Blackwater episode. Maybe the pilot of Lost, which was very expensive and has a lot right. of plane crash stuff, but I've never seen anything. Maybe the Walking Dead pilot. It's it's certainly in a in a, a small crowd. Right, right. But it, it but it, it's better than God. I'm, I I don't like to say things are better than Lost as a as a, as a rule of life. But uh, I think it's better than those. Oh, things. it is. It's yeah. It's a better story. I mean, it, it's coming from a richer place. Like uh, episode to episode. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's it was the biggest thing I've seen on TV in a long time. Like like just pure. Whole, like holy shit I couldn't believe I was so ready to be underwhelmed it's the first also one of the first times I think the whole season where you just saw a battle yeah, <laughs> they never yeah. get a topic like they the, people the, there was the one scene they did that in the first well I actually never read the first book I started right on book two after watching season after one. watching season one <laughs> it's not a problem some of the character names are tricky to catch up with but I, <laughs> I, I just felt like I'd already done it I want to you know retread that ground fair enough so just so you know where I'm coming from uh, so people talked about that with season one. In season two, there was that scene um, where Rob, uh, it opens with uh, some Lannister army people talking, and then uh, the wolf, you see the appearance of the wolf, yeah, and then yeah. it cuts to the end of the battle. And I think a lot of people assumed that was another battle scene that was cut, uh, which isn't the case. Like, Rob is actually not a point-of-view character in the book either, so you you actually barely see him at all in the second right. book of the series. So uh, that wasn't a case of being cut. It's just the battles are generally not what Game of Thrones are about. No, it, it's about anything, the it's game. A, yeah, it's <laughs> about how the real battle is fought in the the alleyways yeah, and, and the, the back di- room. And through diplomacy. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, again, like The Wire, I think, right. has, a, has a similar philosophy. <laughs> yeah. I remember one time, a long time ago, I was like, yo, I was telling someone, I'm like, you got to watch The Wire. They're like, yeah, I heard that show is like just all about the red tape. <laughs> and I was like, no, oh god, that's the worst pitch I've ever heard. But I guess technically yeah, it is. That's <laughs> extremely accurate. Yeah, but it's an awful pitch. This show is about all the, you know, take something really awesome like murder mystery, and just it's about all the bullshit and semantics around it. I think uh, on the other side of the coin from Blackwater, there's the finale, which had every character. Usually, there's a few characters who aren't in any given ep- who aren't in a given episode. Right, right. But uh, the finale had basically everyone. I think I don't. I don't think I'm for, even. Uh, you know, even Littlefinger showed up for a second. He's right. ba- he was barely in this year. Yeah, holy shit! Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think every, but I, like again, I think that's just to be like this is our starting off point for season three. 
Yeah, I love that scene with Varys, which again was something that was added uh, to the book. Just, just you get you get to see him work a little. You get to see yeah. how he, how he does things. You get to see how fucking crazy he is. He's so awesome. In the books, they make him up to be like this mysterious guy who can pull off anything, and I think we don't see that as much. Yeah, because they're because they're letting uh, Tyrion seem so badass. But in the books, Tyrion is deathly afraid of Varys because Varys is capable of so much more. I did think the finale dropped the ball. I watched it with uh, some people who are not familiar with the books. And they, as soon as the episode started, they were like, didn't the Hound run away with Sansa? And I didn't have a good answer. I thought that was a, I yeah. Was like, yeah, he did. And I couldn't explain exactly what had happened. Yeah, I don't know why that she was still around either. I don't even remember from the, I mean, there's the books are so long and dense. And there's a million things that happen. And right. I, I couldn't even remember what it, I, both those elements were in the book. But I think the. Uh, I don't know how the, the time, they have to be a little fuzzy with the timeline so that things happen at the same time. Right, in the right. Show, right. So I think they have to push stuff and drag stuff out i remember someone i heard someone i think it was john august on his uh on his podcast script notes talking about how like episodes seven and eight and maybe even some uh and nine obviously because she wasn't at all they were just like stalling with danaris they were like wait i still haven't found my dragons it's like but they were just gonna remind the audience like hey this is what's happening in karth but if she gets her dragons in episode six our story climaxes so yeah like, so she, it's a lot of like just going into rooms being like well i'm the mother of dragons i need my dragons yeah well the drag daenerys is does not have a lot to do in uh, Book clash two. of kings yeah, yeah. she's and she's for a large part she's wandering around the desert so they kind of uh, created so the House of the Undying stuff is in there, but they kind of had to just create some conflict just to give uh, right. this great actress something to do. And I think that led to all the stuff in Karth with, um, you know, they didn't let her into Karth for an episode. And I think that was just to give Daenerys something to do. Right. And uh, a lot of it, and the same with the Rob stuff. The Rob stuff you got in the book, a lot of it just led to like one scene that was in the book, like uh, the, the House of the Undying. Like it was all there just to get get you through that House right. of the Undying. That was her climax. That right. Was, that was her climax. That was my climax. <laughs> <laughs> in, uh, but similarly, Rob in the book, uh, you don't see him fall in love with uh, the girl whose name they changed from the book for some Wasn't reason. Was it Jane Poole? It's Jane in the book. I forget what it is on the show. Right. Because I was so confused. Now, why would they do that? But so in the show. In the book, you don't get to see him fall in love with her. Right. He just shows up one day, and they basically have what was that last scene with him and his mom from the season finale yeah. where he tells her he's getting married. In the book, he just shows up, and he's like, I'm getting married. You don't see him fall in love. And watching the show, now I understand why that wasn't in the book, because it was super boring. It was super boring, but they have to give this character Rob, who in the books is not a main character, but if you're making a TV show, you can't have this guy who so much action is based around not be a character. Yeah. And I also think they got a good actor in the guy yeah, who's playing yeah. Rob, so they're like, we got to give him some give, give him some stuff. So I don't think there's any bad actors on the show. Like I don't think No, any... I don't think so. It's an insane... Hey, did you... I just found out that Theon is Lily Allen's brother. Oh, I got a better one for you. Shay? Uh, Tyrion's lady friend yeah. who's a whore is in porn is in porn yeah she was in porn <laughs> that's awesome yeah terrific, right? <laughs> who was the person who told you that when you were watching like oh I recognize her you're like, that person's like whoops believe it or not I think I saw it on the internet <laughs> internet porn yeah yeah on yeah. the internet I know I know crazy right uh, what else I mean how about the finale the last shot that Megadeth album cover with the screaming ice wrap on <laughs> yo, the zombie Yo, I swear to God that I had that poster up in college. <laughs> Just like the fucking arbitrary ice warrior on a horse. That was insane. Yeah. It was a little 
shitty looking. I will say, but but it's awesome enough. Like for I, TV, I'm know? okay with it. Yeah, I'm yeah, okay totally. with it. But I mean, I feel, you're watching the show for the. It's not like you're going to see. Um, What's a movie you'd only see for the special effects? I don't know, Transformers. Right, exactly. Hopefully you wouldn't see that under any circumstances, but like, if the special effects are I've bad... I've seen all three well, in the theaters. <laughs> I'm serious. If the special... I saw... I skipped two in theaters, but I eventually saw it on video. It's so bad. It's, it's so, so bad. bad. I could just watch a, a hour-long Blu-ray of the Transformers changing from cars into robots yeah. and back. That's all I need. Yeah. God, that is a... Oh, so let's focus, focus. Sorry. So if the special effects are bad in Transformers, it falls apart even more than... Transformers is the best example. Example, yeah, it's, no, it's, but I know what of, you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. But in Game of Thrones, even if the special effects were worse than they are, you'd still love the show. Yeah, yeah. It's not, that's not what the show is about. Yeah. But it's weird to like end on that image. Did you notice that shot of Daenerys walking away and you could tell it was going to be the last time you saw her this year? And yeah. like the dragon kind of lingered in frame. Yeah, exactly. Like, he like, kind of turned to the camera. It was almost like, that's all, folks. Yeah. Like winked. Iris in. <laughs> yeah. He, he like really like turned to the camera and was like, see you next year. Yeah. Well, I was so pissed. I was like, don't end on this chick with a fucking dragon again. Like, that's not... Yeah, I thought that, that maybe was what they were going for. Yeah, it's going to end on that. thank God they didn't, because I was like, that, that. there's no new information. They sh- she had the dragons, lost them, and got them back. Yeah, but now she has all the money, I guess. I, well, I think what... I think what they have is that the dragons are she really can, can, can control them now yeah, and they're like dangerous. But there was no money, right? She doesn't have she has like Well, they took all the jewels and yeah. I think she has enough for a ship as yeah. they explained. Right. Uh, the other thing that I thought was a little iffy in the way they handled it was uh, the burning of Winterfell. It was kind of unclear why. And I don't want to talk about this too much because it's in the books, but I'm afraid they might have changed it. Right. But uh, it was, I did think it was a little unclear, not spoiling anything, just why they had to run away. And I think I can kind of get a, guess at what they were getting at, having read ahead in the books. But uh, it just didn't make sense if you were watching the show. I don't no, think it totally it, held together. Because I, I watch every episode with my wife, who is not, uh, who didn't read the books. So I get like a very good, like, I get a good idea of what's confusing. I mean, you know, she is a girl, so there's a lot of stuff that confuses her. <laughs> but there is like a lot of moments where she's like, wait, who is that? Who are they referring to? And I'm like, you know what? That is kind of complicated. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. And then like she was like, wait, what just happened? Who took, why did, um, why did uh, Theon's guy like kidnap, like throw the bag over his head? I was like, yeah. oh, because Rob casually mentioned that in another episode, in an earlier yeah, episode. Yeah. I'm like, without seeing anything, it's very difficult. Like, if you don't, because it's hard to keep up with names. So if someone's like, well, don't worry, my bastard son will throw them, but every great joy that's in there except for Theon, you know, that confuses some people. I think I watched the first season not having read the book, and I thought it was very confusing that I don't think it was, it was really glossed over that Theon, uh, what, his situation was that he yeah, was being exactly, held hostage yeah. there. But I think I think they got that note somewhere because this season he brought it up like forty times. Yeah, well, that was I. Lo- I think the Theon arc was my favorite part of the book, and I thought it was terrific on the show too. And I thought the scene with him and Master Lewin, yeah, who's the you know the old yeah. master of Winterfell. Uh, was incredible. So good, so good. I mean, so sa- he's such he's the biggest prick on the show. But you, but he's but also he's the saddest. It was yeah. sympathetic, you know, yeah. and that's what was so good about. It. I thought last night was just was pretty much full of killers. Like even even though there were these moments that were spotty, uh, there were some just incredible scenes all around. That being one, um, Daenerys and Khal Drogo, which we'll talk about later, being another. Right. Um, Tyrion and Shay, I thought was a very sweet and also, scene. There's a lot of heavy duty emotional scenes for a show that usually just has tits and swords. Yeah, I want to get back to what you you said about your wife, and uh, I think girls, to their credit, seem to be kind of into Game of Thrones. Yeah, they are. And you know what? My wife's theory is that it is a bit trashy. 
Yeah, that's true. And it's like in like it's like reminiscent of the trashy shows that my wife likes to watch. It's got a little bit of everything. It's entry level fantasy too. You know what I mean? Like the fantasy element of the uh, swords and sorcery and stuff is second to the the drama, like the gossip and the you know like well, the infighting and shit you like mentioned that. this. You definitely I remember you mentioning this last year that uh, it eases you into the magic. Like when you right. start the show, it's not all that magical at all. And then right. at the end of the first season, there's dragons. The this year we got a fucking shadow baby being. Born. Oh. The, the sh- there's a shape changer. There's a zombie army riding dead horses. Like the <laughs> zombie army you saw last night was way more magical than the zombies you saw in the first season. Right, right. It was just like so much more too. Well, I think they had like a sense of organization too. Like they were they 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 were a force. I like that though. I like that in the first season it was like you only like saw glimpses or heard noises, and then at the end of the second season is like, look out, motherfuckers! Here comes yeah. like two hundred ice. It's they're so it's so awesome that ending scene. Just like the f- rapid pull out to see all those characters. Yeah, it, I like zombie horses a lot. I thought that was a great. Yeah. Catch. Oh, of course, zombie horses ever. Ever since the cell, I've been a huge fan of mutilated horses. I never saw the cell. <laughs> hey, get your shit together and see I, the cell. I know it's got like a. I know what it's about. I know there's a lot of random injury, and I like just like insert. I just like to know there's mutilated horses in it somewhere. Just <laughs> m- working around there. Uh, something I thought about the entire season was that uh, Stannis. I didn't. I don't think they did a great job really like laying out what, who Stannis was and what his deal was. And I think they the all the Baratheon brothers were sort of just they're like. First of all, the Baratheon brothers. Uh, I don't know, like, I think they're all good in their individual parts. It is very, it is a large stretch to imagine they were actually raised together. Like, I know. Robert, the king from last season, <laughs> Renly, and Stannis seem like they could never be friends, much as, like, grow up in the same household. Yeah, I don't understand, like, there is, it's glossed, I'm trying to remember how it is in the books, but it's like, why are they such assholes to each other? Uh, I don't know, I think it's addressed. I mean, like, I think they all, I think that you can appreciate their individual motivation that, right, right. uh, Renly was, you know, kind of pushed into it by Loris, and yeah. that uh, Stannis is being pushed into it by this uh, woman, and they both believe they'd be great kings. Like, I think they both, yeah. they all genuinely believe that. I'm just saying, like, they don't at all look like brothers. Like, no, none, no <laughs> two of the three. They don't even act like brothers. Yeah. 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 But uh, I, I think, like, Stannis, for being such a major part of that climactic battle, uh, I don't think you really understood what his deal was until the scene in the season finale with him and Melisandre, yeah. which I think was also not in the book. Stannis... Usually you only see Stannis through the eyes of Davos, the uh, smuggler with the, the fingers onion, on it. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that scene with him and Melisandre last night, which was, again, an adventure for the show, was the first time that people who would only watch the show got a sense of who Stannis was and what yeah, he was trying well, to do. It's also like, yeah, at that moment, you're that like... That in the scene where he fucked Melisandre on the uh, <laughs> war table. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. That's like, a that's for, that's nerd porn. Literally, he has sex with an evil fire sorceress on what ostensibly is a tabletop board game. It's like uh, you fucked on your Dungeons and Dragons map. Like yeah. there's lead miniatures. It's Warhammer. And you're I having mean, sex and double. He should be the king. Yeah. Um, I can't believe like that moment is like Tiffany was like, my wife was like, oh, oh, right. Yeah. I was like, yeah, they are brothers. They don't speak about it that much. Right, right. Yeah. It's easy to forget. Yeah. It's, it's easy, easy to, to forget, forget because it's not reminded. And at that point it was, you. Oh, sorry. And you were like, what? Oh, right, yeah. And to see his emotions where it's like, oh, that's what was going through his mind. Mm-hmm. But, and then, <laughs> I'm sorry, I cannot stand Melisandre. Is that how we, is that how we sang I think it? so. Yeah. I think we talked about this yeah, uh, last, time. last time too. It's like, 
you read it so much, then you're like, this is how I pronounce it. Totally. Yeah. I mean, Ygret, I think, is yeah. the girl, the redheaded girl that yeah. uh, up in the north with Jon Snow. And in the book, I think there's three fucking consecutive Gs. There's there's at least two. <laughs> and, I, and like, she came on the show and she's like, I am Ygret. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, she, I hate her because of the books. Like, Melisandre? Uh, yeah. I just can't stand her as a character. I'm like, because she, she's so manipulative. And then I, it sort of rolls over into the show where I'm like, shut up. <laughs> I just think that uh, I generally don't like the, like, on two other shows I love, Lost and Battlestar Galactica, the faith and the religious aspects, never my favorite aspect of the show, oh, you know? Right. It's, yeah, always it's a little... not my favorite aspect of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear that shit when someone's like, actually has faith. I don't want to see it in a TV Forget show. Forget life. What about how you feel about it with respect to Lost? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I, yeah. Well, isn't life really just Lost? Uh, another character that you get to see a lot more of on the show is Lord Tywin. Uh, oh, yeah. Someone who kind of looms as sort of just, you just hear legends about it, but on the show... Uh, Arya, Arya being his cup maid was sort of invented for the show. I thought it happened in the book. She's like it, around him, but yeah. she's not like in every scene. Right, exactly. Well, I think that was a great addition to keep oh, Arya, uh, Arya, Arya. I think. Uh, yeah, I've always, I guess I've always said Arya uh, to keep Ari alive right. and uh, with time because that that guy, the bad guy from Last Action Hero. That's how I know Tywin. Right, Hannister. right, right. The guy He's, with the, uh, the contacts <laughs> in his yeah, eyes. He has the glass eye with the bullseye with yeah, the have yeah. a nice day a smile face. The second greatest villain of all time after <laughs> Tywin Lannister, of course, the bad guy from Last Action Hero. Yeah. So he plays two of the greatest villains. Right. Um. So th- their dynamic, those scenes were amazing. Yeah. You know. It was a particularly good one involving another character. You don't get to see a lot of the book. And just to give him something else to do was that scene with Littlefinger. And does Littlefinger recognize her? It was right. really tense. Like, I love that well, scene. Littlefinger, Carcetti is amazing. I, yeah. feel, I like I think it's really funny that he has like Carcetti's accent on top of like the old time he speak that they all do in the common tongue. He has like a little bit of like that hard Baltimore accent. And but on top of all that, he's actually native. Irish, right? Like he's from yes. Ireland. So you I'm assuming he's in uh, some movie he's in. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of 21 Rounds with John Cena. Uh, he <laughs> yes, where he's the bad guy. Right, right. <laughs> I, a friend of mine who loves The Wire was like, I just realized that was Carcetti. I was like, What are you fucking kidding? Like he's in, he's in the dark. He just has a flavor saver. He's That's in, the only difference. <laughs> he's in um, the brief preview of Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. That was before Mission Impossible, was it? Yep. And like, I mean, for the rest of his life, as soon as he steps on camera and be like Carcetti, and I like that way the lot of people from the wire just because those characters are so memorable right and a lot of them it was their first big role yeah yeah it's it's definitely and also the 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 wire is so real that i will also almost certainly never call him adian gilgan or whatever his real name is senator clay davis for the rest of my fucking life i have no idea what his real name is another great addition was uh the scene with joffrey and the whores that is it okay if i call them whores yeah yeah it's their profession it's their job so the scene with that, that was brutal. That really shook me. And that, that fucked me. I, I'm a dark, dark yeah. man. And that shit hurt. That that bothered me. That is rare that TV can do that. There was another scene um, similar from the season two premiere of Sons of Anarchy with Henry Rollins and Katie Seagal. Have you watched Sons of Anarchy? No, I have not. I won't even bother explaining. People that have watched it definitely know what I'm talking about. And uh, it's like really unsettling in like a, uh, a like. I don't know. You just have to like unpack it in your head, like how twisted it was. The kid who plays Joffrey is he? Oh, first of all, he's like twenty-one. Oh, really? Yeah. He he's got he's like a major twink-looking dude. He is so good. He he's like 
uncomfortably evil. Yeah. Everything he says, every line he says, is just, there's such a slither underneath everything he says. When he... I, it, like, overrides my logic. Like, I know that's an actor playing a part, but I think I hate the person. I think I, 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 think I will hate him and it's, everything he's in for the rest of his and life. And it's a weird combination where I'm like, I, I have to think he is an actor, and I have to recognize that to go the extra step and hate him as an actor. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of both things at one time, how it's not really a person, but also still putting the fiction onto him. But that's, that's how good he is. Do you, he out Malfoy's Malfoy from right, Harry Potter. Yes, he's like, yeah, he's Malfoy squared. He is so, excuse me, he, if also the way he sits on the throne yes. is so, he sits like sort of side saddle. And I think I remember from the book saying like part of the thing about the throne is if you can sit, you have to be man enough just to sit on it because it's made from swords melted together. So it's sharp. So like just, he sits with a certain discomfort, but also like a little bit of like, pompousness or pomposity I don't know what the word is but he sits like sort of sassy he's like sassy and uncomfortable at the same time so it, sh- it just shows so much about his character just the way he sits in those scenes like when uh, yeah. when uh, uh, Loris's sister uh, asks to, for him to marry her in the season in the season finale I thought that was a great scene because you could tell that everyone in that scene was acting like you could tell that the characters were playing a part within the show, like right. they were acting like they were acting, which is hard to do, right? Yeah, to like to show that it's like we're all lying, right? Yeah, now. We yeah, have to yeah. all sell that we are making up, but because that was something, uh, in LA Noir, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a brief detour, LA Noir. Uh, which I thought was a great game, and I think we talked about it on the show at some point. We did, actually. The episode I was on, we did talk about really? it more, because we talked about how it's like a great game that you can get your girlfriend to play along with you. Oh, weird. Well, the thing, a different thing was, one thing with L.A. Noir was that uh, they, ca- if you remember, the all the hype was about how they captured the performances, yeah. and uh, you had to tell when someone was uh, telling the truth or lying, and oftentimes when people were lying, it was really obvious, because they're already acting, so to act yeah. like you're acting is... You know, there's a layer there that's hard to communicate. Easily transparent. So it was very, it was often obvious when they like roll their eyes or they do something very, you know, (laughs) I tell. Yeah, you you could make, you could see them making like an acting decision to do something. Whereas I think in that scene, like they were all, you know, just the right amount of uh, of bullshit. Yeah, which the scene literally started off with the horseshit, which was a nice touch. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, I can only hope that that was serendipitous. That they were just like, all right, we're gonna start with the horses, like, and they took the giant <laughs> shit, and they were like, use this take. Use- <laughs> <laughs> I like that Tywin gets to ride a horse in the hall too. Yeah, that's like the second time too, right? Well, he stormed in last week. Yeah, but like, on a horse. Though. But like, why? He's just standing still. I think you know, just to show he's elevated. Yeah. I mean, I know why, but yeah. it's great. Yeah. Well, what's everyone's end game there? Why? Uh, like what is going to happen to Sansa now? Like I mean I know. But yeah, like, yeah. What are they I don't, don't want to even pretend yeah. to speculate because right. we, you know, we've it's read unfair. the, we've right, read the right, books. Right. Yeah, but it's weird because it seems like at the end of that moment right there, you're like, what is everything? What is going to happen here? Yeah, you know, I think that this show may have something like The Wire, where for years I see these characters and I think of them as their Game of Thrones people because I saw a picture of uh, Arya and Sansa, who are apparently really good friends in real life. And uh, they're just like kind of making goofy faces, and it blew my mind. Someone sent me a picture of Arya, Sansa, um, Theon, Rob, and John. And Rob, and I had like the guy who sent it to me was I'm like, who's that dude all the way on the right with them? He was like, Jon Snow, dude. I was like, 
no way, he doesn't have a beard. That's not Jon Snow. He's like, well, that's the guy <laughs> who plays Jon Snow happens to not have a beard. And, this, and I was like, no, and I could not wrap my head around it. And they were like in a library. It was just so weird. And also like The Wire, they're all great performances. And I, I, I expect, well, right. uh, uh, I mean, I thought Sansa was great in that little moment she got to like steal for herself where she like got to be happy for a second before oh, it's taken away. Poor thing, that's it. And Arya was incre- was terrific. Also. She, she's, she's amazing. For, uh, I'm so excited for her. I won't, how, this is not a spoiler, but I am so excited for her story. How, I mean, I don't know, how old is she? 14, 15? Uh, hopefully 18. <laughs> but she, <laughs> uh, for, for a young actress, she's uh, in, carries so much of it. Yeah, she's incredible. She's amazing on the show. Also, like all the young actors, like the guy, the kid who plays Bran, first of all, this is going to sound pretty creepy, but he is ridiculously handsome. That did sound creepy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I prefaced it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's okay, well, right? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> That kid that plays Bran is very handsome, and he's a very good actor. Mm-hmm. He's playing a paralyzed lord. Like, that's such an insane yeah, yeah. role for a kid to play. That's like some Robert De Niro shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he was great. I thought the scene with him at, with, when they were saying goodbye to uh, Master, <laughs> what's his name, Lewin, or right. something like it's, that. Yeah. He, I think there's two L's. Who the fuck knows? Uh, <laughs> when he asked, when Lewin asked to be killed, I thought it was such a great scene. Oh, so awesome. It was great when Lou, even Master Lewin doesn't recognize the existence of Rick Khan. He's yeah. just like, he's just talking to Bran. He yeah. like turns to him very, very briefly. Yeah. I do remember last year watching the show and like finally feeling like I had a handle on it and all the different houses. And you're like, wait, and who the fuck who is, is that? that? And they're like, that's another Stark. And I was like, there's another Stark? Yeah. I like finally felt like I had it. It is a lot. It is a lot. It's crazy how much George R.R. R. Martin just threw out in that first uh, like book he wrote he was like yeah you know what let's give them the before kids there'll be one hostage kid and then there'll be a bastard child it's like wait slow down yeah. you have to write all this like, <laughs> yeah. and then you're like cool we got all those kids well how about there's seven Lannisters and we follow it's like wait give yourself a break yeah I have no interest in writing fantasy literature but I I, I try to imagine him writing it and just the well of ideas like every one of these characters could be the star of their own story they, right. they kind of are like any of these people could be a book like just look at Theon like he's got this whole Theon could be a movie or right. a, a book uh, and he just never stops inventing and as it goes on Again, like The Wire, I compare everything to The Wire. You know, they keep adding on new characters, and uh, they're always inter- there's so- always some interest. That was dynamic. one of the things when I was reading the books, I couldn't believe when they added, and when I was like, who the hell is Davos? Why are they adding it? They, they, there's so much to get settled with all these other characters. And then that keeps happening throughout the books. They keep adding yeah, more. Da- yeah, uh, I said Davos, but da- they, we're talking about the smuggler guy. Right, right, yeah. Right. The, also, I love all their casting, and the dude who plays Davos is really great. But I feel like he looked a little bit too much like Stannis, mm-hmm. and it got confusing at points. Yeah, I mean, even for me, who I'm like, wait a minute, who are we looking at right yeah, now? Yeah, because you just yeah. didn't get to spend much time with them. Exactly. Uh, so when George R. R. Might, when George R. R. Martin writes the episode and adds a new scene with Bronn, does that mean that scene with Bronn is canon? I'm always interested in the in, in the relationship between the books and the TV show, and like which is, I don't know, just which is the they, they really go together, like right. they. they Kind of uh, tell you really need to get read both of them to experience both of them to uh, see the entire story. Would you would you say that's true? Yeah, I guess you get a little bit more like just like in Lord of the Rings. It's like the same thing. I compare those two. I, I know you keep comparing to the Wire, but like what is going to be our Game of Thrones? What is going to be our Song of Ice and Fire? Tom Bombadil. What is going to be the thing? That right, right. After four seasons, you're like, you know what? We haven't seen enough of blank or from the. I, so the second season was the only one I had watched uh, after reading the book, 
But uh, there is no Tom Bombadil. There no, is yeah. no major element of the story missing, Exa- at, which exactly. is why I was able to read the second book uh, without reading the first book after only watching the first season of the right, show. Right, because they don't really leave out much. They, I mean, they don't go into super extensive detail about every meal that the characters eat like the book does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, George George R. Martin's house must have, like, character storylines everywhere, and, like, he must get stoned and come up with the most insane ideas for food. It's, like, always, like, fig jam spread over pork round. You know, you're like, what? (laughs) Someone uh, is doing a Game of Thrones cookbook. It's called In at the Crossroads, and it looks great. Are you serious? Yeah. I I know there was a blog where, like, women cook. uh, It might be the blog. I think it was, well... The book is based on a blog. It was okay, blog so, so this might be the same thing. It yeah. is called In at the Crossroads, though. That's great. Yeah, it looks awesome. And it makes so much sense. They describe so much food. It's so... I it, like... The uh, sex and the food are almost both as uh, tantalizing in the way George writes. So it's so obvious that, like, we know this guy... We know this guy comes from. This is just, like, <laughs> hardcore sex described and, like, hardcore eating orgies. Yeah, even if you've never seen a picture of George R. R. Martin, you might be able to guess what he looks like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then when you do see a picture, you're like, that guy likes food and sex a lot. And fantasy novels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he, uh, and, but there's a level of detail in it, too, where, like, the people... I, and it's not... He's not describing food just uh, for the sake of doing it. Yeah. You know, you can see that the... In, even when you watch the show, if you pay attention, I think that the Lannisters are eating one type of food in King Landing, they're eating very opulently, whereas uh, at the Wall, they have to eat meager scraps. Right. And in the North, they have different dishes. So there, it, it helps. I think um, I'm terrible at geography, uh, both in real life and in video games, and I think I could draw a pretty good map of Westeros, you know? Like, Me he really too, yeah. has created this world uh, with a lot of details. Did we talk about this last episode where... Uh the opening credits are different depending on the... Maybe. maybe. I don't know. I, don't I know. talk about Game of Thrones a lot. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a very similar... So the, game, the, the opening credits are different every episode depending right. on which locations you visit. Yeah. Uh, this one had... Uh, the season finale had Harrenhal and one other that... Uh, was it... It's not Deepwood Mott. It was, they had another one. I forget what it was. I maybe the... Iron Islands. Yeah, well, yeah, yes, that's what that's what it was. And you don't. And I was like, oh, this is so. I didn't even notice that. I thought I just finally figured it out this season. Mm-hmm. Unless I mentioned it last uh, episode. Then, in which case, I figured it out late. That I was. did notice that last week had some places that weren't actually featured in the episode, like right. Harren Hall. Right. But I think it's because he was. They were mentioned because mm-hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> I was going to say Carcetti. Littlefinger. Littlefinger gets that. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. How about the casting of a Jaquen Yachar? So the, uh, this is a this man that guy you know the assassin that yeah 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 I love that that character is amazing and the cast such a weird kind of like I don't know he looks like a porn actor as well right <laughs> he does <laughs> yeah. but reading the book I you I, you he's kind of hard to get a read on and well I feel he's like that not guy. that huge like he's not that big of a character when he first comes in yeah he's so you like you can imagine like but then like that guy the actor just pops off the screen well that's what makes reading the book so difficult is like you'll. Um, and this is what makes reading books hard, <laughs> yeah. is you'll meet a character and you'll be like, should I learn this guy's name and what he does? And then yeah. like, you know, you don't know if you should worry about him until exactly. you read it a few times and you're like, wait, now which guy was that? Like, I wish it was in bold if you had to remember. <laughs> yeah. I, no, this guy's coming back, don't I, worry. I, I need a beginner's edition for books. Right? <laughs> 
Uh, it, it's it. I don't mean to make it sound like those books are hard to read. They're actually quite easy to read. They're very digestible. Yeah, very good. Uh, like I said, uh, entry level fa- uh, fantasy. Like, Even the fourth th- one, which I think, just like the third one's generally considered the best, the fourth one, a lot of people warned me is the worst. Wasn't bad yeah. at all. I definitely. Uh, yeah. I I think I would have to say the last one was the worst. Oh really? I'm yeah. about a third of the way through it. Uh, I, I do think though that. Uh, season one lined up with season one. I'm, we're not going to get spoilery. Right. Season one lined up with book one. Season two lined up with book two. They might have to do something with splitting season three. Or maybe they could do a 12 or 13 episode. I don't know. I mean, season. I wouldn't think adapting the show is possible at all. So I wouldn't, like, yeah. put, I wouldn't put anything <laughs> up. But then the fourth and fifth book, not getting spoilery, they do something interesting where they, you only get half the characters in book four and you get the other half of the characters in book five. And they take place at the same time which is as stupid as it sounds, in my opinion. Yes. But obviously, they're not going to film it that way. So right. I think it is going to start getting, developing They're going to like own. split up season three and then combine season uh, books four, split up book three, then combine books four and five and split that over four. It's going to be some crazy, some crazy adaptation. Probably one of the most incredible things. I mean, first of all, we've been talking, it's amazing that we've been talking about the show for 45 minutes now and we barely even touched on Peter Dinklage, who is I mean, amazing. What what else? What else needs to be said about dude, him? Dude, he's ridiculously handsome too. Yeah, After watching he is. more and more of him, I'm like, this dude is. Yeah. He looks so like like manly. He's like so handsome. I do think he's a little more good looking than he's supposed to be in the right. books. I in think the books, I, he's like sort of. I think a little more twisted and yeah, he's like disgusting. Yeah, yeah. He's a little, and he's and he's he's charming only because of he's intelligent and funny. In this book, they make him seem like he genuinely is like has guile and charisma. Yeah, and stuff like yeah. That. Like you could get why Shay would want to be with him. Exactly, but in the books, it's all a little more uh, wary. You're like, what the. F- What's going on here? So maybe the most incredible thing about Game of Thrones is how popular it is. Like, I can't believe... I I don't... I'm not that into fantasy. I know. I feel like I'm confessing something here. I'm generally not that... I'm not... I'm more of a sci-fi, comic book, superhero kind of dude. And I'm super into this. And people that would never, ever consider reading this... It's it's one of the most popular... I don't know the exact numbers. I think it's the most popular show since The Sopranos. It is enormously popular. I, I cannot believe how many people I see reading Game of Thrones on the oh subway. Oh, my now. God. But back when I was doing it, back when I was reading on the subway... That sounds so <laughs> ridiculous. I always, I've, I was like, oh, man, this is crazy. I have a, a thousand-page book that says, like, A Feast of Crows on it. And right, about, right. Yeah. Now everyone's like, oh, you're reading Game of... Th- oh, cool, you're reading... In this year, yeah. it's like now everyone has people to talk to the book, you know, like talk about the book with. I don't have that. I never had that. I'm it's, jealous. It's so pop. It's like more popular than other popular HBO shows. It's really reached a level where it's certainly the most popular thing on HBO. And I think we talked about this last time. Um, it kind of premiered around the same time as Boardwalk Empire, and I think right. HBO thought Boardwalk Empire was going to be it's the bit, you know, yeah. the new Sopranos, the new th- the new flagship series for the yeah. network, and it, it isn't. It's- I don't know that many people that watch Boardwalk Empire. I know that's so close. Like uh, in my small group of friends, not everyone watches, but everyone watches Game of Thrones. Yeah, well, I know a lot of people that watch a lot of TV, and Me too. I hear a lot more about Game of Thrones than Boardwalk. Yeah, Empire. Yeah, Game of Thrones and Mad Men are my Monday morning conversations. I mean, let's talk about that for a second. This spring has been very crazy in terms of TV. Sunday DVR has been very difficult. I've been having to DVR, like, repeat episodes of The Killing at 1 in the morning. Oh, I'm not even watching The Killing. I know. But Girls and Veep are both terrific. I'm not watching Veep yet, but I have watched Girls. Girls is amazing. Girls is amazing, and Veep is also amazing, and and in a totally different way than Girls is. It's like, I don't know, it's just like, I feel so... uh, I feel so fortunate, really, that there's, like, these two, even putting aside all the drama, there's these two great comedies airing at the same time that are, like, totally great in totally different ways. I know. It's, and, uh, like, that's, 
Sunday night on one channel is two hours of great programming. Yeah. yeah. And so did you watch Mad Men and Game of Thrones both on Sunday night this spring? Yes. I did that a few times, and I feel like it really would hurt both of them. Like, if I watch them back to back, you know, they're both such dense shows yes. with so much going on in them. So and many like, characters. And, like, if you watch them back to back, it's two hours, which is about the length of a movie, but like we were saying, there's so much backstory, and, like, I mean, they're both such heavy shows. Um, I want to say particularly bad, but no, they're both really heavy shows yes. that, that, like... You know, you need to watch, I don't know, I felt like I needed to watch them separately to, like, give them time to breathe and think about them. Right, well, we're, and our house, we're huge fans of both shows, and my wife works for AMC, and I'm a rabid fantasy nerd, so, like, we have to, for the sake of uh, diplomacy. <laughs> the sake of the marriage. Yeah, yeah, for the sake of the marriage, we have to watch both of those. And, like, even though she works on the show, like, we can't, we give, pri- we can't give priority to either show, it's like, alright. Well, Game know. of Thrones was on first, so I right, usually exactly, watch that yeah, one first. that's how we did, that's but, a- like, I'd end the night with Mad Men, and I'd be like, what? What happened in Game of Thrones again? Yeah. Did they get the account? Like, they'd kind of get mixed up in <laughs> yeah. my mind. That would be... Don Draper would fucking run Westeros. If he, landed, <laughs> if he accidentally landed there. Uh, this would be a fun game to compare which characters from both shows are. Because oh. I just in my head was like, oh, Sterling and uh, Tyrion are the same character. Sterling and... I think Sterling is... I was going to say, like... I was going to say Tywin, but maybe that's just because they're both, like, silver foxes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who else? I guess... Well, who's Peggy? Arya's probably Peggy. Yeah, probably the uh, female character scraping up and deciding to man up and yeah. fix a man. There's a lot of that in game. You could make a lot of cases for the Peggy of Game of Thrones. Well, I think though. George R. R. Martin writes really awesome, powerful female characters. There's a lot of women on Game of Thrones who are, um, you know, trying to like push through whatever ceiling exists in <laughs> Westeros. Um, you have Arya who's trying, you know, from the very beginning, like wasn't into girly things. Yeah. Cersei is like more ambitious than your typical, um, I think most of the women in King's Landing. But also um, Theon's sister, whose name they also changed, so I can't remember. Right. And um, what's her face? Brienne, too. Yes. It's so and. They, he does throw in a good amount of whores that are just getting arbitrarily oh, don't fingered. Don't worry, you're going to get your whore. <laughs> don't worry, it's not that. You know, We're not pushing femi- feminism too much on this show. <laughs> but it, it is a large uh, theme of the show. I yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I don't know. I, the one criticism I have, and I believe I said this last year too, is sometimes I don't know where Game of Thrones is going, and it feels like it's just a bunch of stuff happening. Right, and that's for some, even having read the book. Yeah. I'm like, wait, where? Is-? First of all, we haven't talked about this yet. The uh, the Brienne and uh, Jamie Lannister scene. Oh my when god! When the three Stark men come yeah. up, yeah, that scene was awesome. Yeah, and you could just see the anger she had just at the fact that those were women that were murdered. Yeah, that is something. One of the few things I think they really changed from the book. Because in the book, I think Brienne is a little more uh, remorseful about killing people. Yes, like she wants yes. to be a knight, but she isn't happy to kill people. But right. here, she's like, uh, she's like one of the fucking expendables for right. a minute. She's yes, like, that's all. I love that moment. She's like, killed, uh, killed the first two quickly. Yeah, she just stabs that dude through his taint. <laughs> they don't show it, but I went, I turned to my wife. I was like, she just stabbed him in the balls. He, she was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that they kept the same that I was very impressed that they kept uh, was the shadow baby. I do remember when you read the books. Uh, knowing that's a TV show, you kind of do play like producer, and you're like, I'd I'd cut that part out. That's not that necessary. Right. I w- I would have definitely gotten rid of that. But uh, Shadow Baby, 
When I, re- I remember reading Shadow Baby in the book and being like, when, I'm talking about when Melisandre, I don't yeah. know, do I have to explain what I'm talking about? I'm talking about when Melisandre births a fucking Shadow Baby. Oh, that Shadow then, Baby. I remember reading that in the book and being like, well, there's no, I, I'm interested to see what they come up with because there's no way they're going to show I that. I didn't like that part in the book or in the show. Yeah. I feel like it's an easy answer to kill a main, uh, a character we're supposed to believe is a main character at that point. Well, I guess the point is Stannis and Davos are like used, dabbling in things they should shouldn't be to get right. what they want. Exactly. It's not really about the... I don't think there's ever going to be an episode where they explain the exact shadow magic that came exactly. fr- forth from her womb. Well, that's what I thought. I was like, and also the fact that I, if we would have seen that shadow beast kill um, Renly and mm-hmm. then seen that birthing scene, that would I feel like that would have been awesome. Because then mm-hmm. it would have been like, what the fuck was that? But instead you see the birthing scene and you just know it's going to kill Renly at some point. So it felt like... Well, you so knew ter- it was going to kill Renly because you had read the book. I don't right, know right, exactly clear to everyone. I thought that's... Oh, yeah, I guess maybe not. <laughs> but it was interesting. I thought that Shadow Baby is the cliffhanger at the end of the episode on. And then uh, the Renly thing happens in the beginning of the next episode. Yes. I thought it was, it was a nice touch. That's cool, yeah. All right. You good here? I'm going to transition to the uh, other thing. Oh, sure, yeah. How, how anything else we want to talk about Game of Thrones? Did we talk about... Did we, we didn't have not talked about the uh, Cal Drogo scene, though. Yeah, but we talked about it there. Oh, okay, yeah. Right? Yeah, do you want to talk right. about it more? Yeah, that makes sense. Or do you want to talk about it, and then we can use that to transition into it? Right, yeah, let's just do something. I don't have... I mean, I don't have anything. <laughs> uh, okay, I didn't prepare this either. Uh, they also added the... Right. Yeah. One other scene that I was kind of nervous about was uh, the House of the Undying scene, uh, which I thought was sort of a trying read in the book, because in the book it's a little more um, hallucinatory, I right, guess. Yeah, it's it's like a, lot, a little more psychedelic. Head. Yeah. And I'm generally not that into that kind of thing. In Only in any, real life. Am yeah. I? <laughs> in any, so I was a little nervous about that scene because I could imagine it being done like, you know, like a shitty B-movie with like weird things happening. <laughs> but they went another route and they brought back uh, Jason Momoa to play Cal Drogo. And I thought so that scene awesome. was incredible. That scene was so awesome. So many great quotes from that scene. Though. Yeah. So uh, let's uh, cap off this episode by bringing back a previous Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin show guest, let's call up David Peterson. And if you didn't listen to his episode, you should listen to it. Uh, no offense, John. I think it might be my favorite episode of the Jeff Rubin, Jeff it's Rubin. M- it's my second favorite episode. <laughs> my first being the uh, Action Park one. <laughs> so David Peterson uh, created the Dothraki language that is spoken in Game of Thrones. That is a working, functional language, like uh, Spanish or French or Elvish in Lord of the Rings or Klingon in Star Trek. And uh, the five, those are the romance languages. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we talk about this in the episode, but I, it, it is so go listen to that episode if you want to hear the backstory and how he does that. But I, I said this then, it's, it's so true. It's really one of those details like the food that adds up. And even if you're not consciously aware that this is a, uh, a, a language that actually functions, it's one of those details that makes the show so immersive. Yeah, if they just pulled out all the stops. It's like every little detail has got so much shit going on behind it. Absolutely. And now for some insight into some of those details, please welcome back to the show one of my all-time favorite guests, David Peterson. Hey, David. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Glad to be, glad to be back. I thought one of the best scenes from the season finale, if not the entire season, was uh, Daenerys being reunited with Cal Drogo, via magic in the House of the Undying. I think I'm describing what happened correctly. You're constantly saying via magic in every conversation we have. (laughs) And uh, that was really a spotlight, I thought, for the Dothraki language that you created. It it really shined in that scene. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like to 
write the words, write the Dothraki for that scene? Uh, well, first of all, I thought it was really cool that you know you had this uh, this basically this magic tower that w- that allowed Jason Momoa to kind of do a curtain call. Uh, I remember I got uh, I got a you know a, a batch of scripts that I needed to do Dothraki for way way back, and I you know I looked at episode ten. I'm like. Oh, 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 this is a, this is a secret I'm going to have to hang on to for a while. <laughs> that was, that was really exciting. Because that scene wasn't in the books, right? I, I don't think how Drogo comes back in, in yeah. the House of the Undying scene in the books. I haven't read right. book two in a long time, but I don't remember that. I remember seeing that and being like, oh, this is awesome. I'm just happy to see him back. He got an extra day's work. Yeah, yeah, he did. And um, I, I thought that was just outstanding because, you know, it's one of those things, especially in the first season, people really got to like him. You know, I think he, he comes across as even cooler in the show than he does in the books. And then, of course, everybody knew that read the books is like, yeah, he's not going to be around for a while. So, yeah, I was, I, it was great to see him back uh, and to hear his Dothraki again because I thought he did such a good job in the first season and he did it again for this episode. Oh, I thought he killed... I mean, I thought he was great in the first season, but in that scene last night, uh, I thought he was incredible. Yeah. I thought his Dothraki could have used, like, a quick polish, but it was, wasn't bad. <laughs> well, you know, he, he, he does what he does. Um, <laughs> I, I love his kind of gravelly voice and this kind of... Uh, he he, he, he kind of sounds like he's just a, a really comfortable speaker of Dothraki, so he just kind of, you know kind of hops and skips over some of the words at the end and and really just um, kind of puts them out there. It's one of those things where you better understand what he's saying because you don't want to ask him, could you repeat that? (laughs) Were there any challenges uh, translating anything in that specific scene? Let me see. There was one uh, in particular. Um, So, well, actually, one thing I was kind of happy about is that uh, the Dothraki word for dream got to show up because I was really proud of that. Etymology, basically the word for dream, uh, translates literally to wooden life. Wooden life? Yeah, wooden life. The idea is this. The words for real and fake come from the words that mean metal and wood. Because the idea is that a real weapon is made out of metal. A fake weapon, something that you give to kids to play around with, is something that's made out of wood. So then that extends to everything else. So something that is wooden is fake. And so then a dream, which when you're dreaming, feels like that's the entirety of your life, right? You know, you don't remember anything from your waking life when you're dreaming. Um, Basically, then, a fake life uh, is a dream, and so it's a wooden life. And so that was kind of nice that uh, you got to see it. Um, But, yeah, so there's this line that he has, uh, which translates into English as, um, or, or maybe it is a dream. Uh, your dream, my dream, I do not know. Uh, these are questions for wise men with skinny arms. Um, <laughs> but uh, it got to a point where it's like, uh, you know, if you translate that, you know, more or less faithfully, it um, it gets to be quite a bit of a mouthful because the word for dream is adpirarido. And so you say that over and over and over again, and it's kind of like, ah, it doesn't sound like. So what I ended up translating as was, uh, let's see, and maybe it's a dream. Sorry, I'm just kind of translating on the flyers. I'm looking at it. Um, and then it's, uh, after that, you have this phrase, atirarido um, che uh, which is kind of like literally uh, a dream of yours, of mine, 
And then he says, I don't know. So he didn't have to repeat the word dream there. That was, uh, that was probably, I think, uh, the, the most challenging bit of the whole thing because um, uh, I didn't want it to sound silly. It sounded good in English to repeat dream over and over again, but I wanted it to come off just right in Dothraki. And I thought he did uh, especially that delivery uh, very well. What's the line he says after that that's like, uh, but if God helped the person that wakes me up from this dream? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that. An, that was a badass moment. Oh, uh, yeah. You are the moon of my life. Uh, uh, that is all I know and all I need to know. And if this is a dream, I will kill the man who tries to wake me. So that part, let's see. Mahashjini uh, atiralido. I say that whenever I'm really drunk and about to go to sleep. I'm like, the man who wakes me shall die. <laughs> but I always say it in Dothraki. Oh, brother, that's, that's sometimes what I say to my poor wife when she wakes me up in the morning. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is it really that time? Uh, and then I spend the rest of the day apologizing. <laughs> Is, there's no word. There's no word. Dothraki word for sorry, right? They don't. Oh. They wouldn't apologize. Oh, give me a break! No, 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 no. So I, I have to do all my apologies in English. <laughs> That's probably best. I also <laughs> noticed. I, I cheating when I say I noticed. I read on your blog that this was the first time that you hear it is known in its native Dothraki tongue. Yeah, yeah. It was actually the first time. The uh, season finale of episode two. I was like, yes, there are all these opportunities, but then it's like, now nah, they're always saying it in English. I'm like, come on, give me this. And then you go, finally. <laughs> so that was good to finally hear. While we have you here, John, is there anything you would like to hear translated into Dothraki? I asked John if there's anything he wants translated <laughs> and not you, if you would mind doing one or two translations for us. <laughs> I'll see what I can do on the fly. Go for it. Okay. So uh, just keeping with their, uh, with their idioms, we'll say like, hey, you with skinny arms, bring me all the meat. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I find myself needing to say often. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> how about the fat makoraso ready? Fichi anna eigavat. Yeah, it sounded perfect. I think. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to when someone speaks a foreign language that I've never. I just, I just nodded, even though I'm on a podcast. I just nodded to you. Is there a uh, thank you in Dothraki? No, there's no, there's no thank you in Dothraki. I think the best that you can get is um, this phrase that I have, "san uh, atjomari," which means uh, much respect. But um, you use it kind of in a wider context than thank you. You know, just anytime somebody. You know, does something good, you say, Oh, much respect, you know, send up to money. Well, David, much respect for coming back to the show. I forgot how to say it in Dothraki already. I'm so bad. I was the worst foreign language student. Much respect for coming back to the show. Thanks again for uh, talking to us. Right on. Thanks for having me. And much respect to you, John. Thank you for coming back to the show for Game of Thrones season two. Can we do it again for season three? Of course we can, skinny arms. I just don't want to wait that long. Much respect, John. Much respect. Once again, this time in English, thank you to David and Gabrus, not just for doing the show, but also for making themselves available less than 24 hours after the finale aired so I could get this up as quickly as possible. Really appreciate it, guys. Another Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show coming at you next Tuesday. I'll remind you on Twitter, where I'm at Jeff Rubin Show, on Tumblr, where I'm Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin.com, at YouTube.com slash Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin, and on my Facebook fan page. If you want to email me, if that's not enough ways to reach out to me, I am Jeff at JeffRubinShow.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll talk to you there. Bye.